The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. We're broadcasting today at the National Association of State Chief Information Officers Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, on the 50th occasion of the anniversary of the association. Our guest today is Stephanie Dedman, Chief Information Officer for the great state of Tennessee. Stephanie, welcome to Ask the CIO SLED edition, our state and local program. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, it's nice to have you. It's nice to have our our host. Uh, We were just discussing the fact when I first became CIO, uh, I was invited by the former Chief Information Officer of Tennessee, Bradley uh, Duggar, Duggar mm-hmm. to be affiliated with uh, NASA, as, as it was called in those days. Well, it's uh, we're, we're speaking to our hostess. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the conference. What? Uh, tell us some of the secrets behind it. How did you get things started, and what were some of the uh, challenges and headaches right. and also the goals of what you're trying to put together for these 850 of your closest friends from uh, the guest list at NASIO. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I have to say the selection of Nashville probably happened, I'm going to guess, two or three years ago prior to me actually uh, becoming the CIO for the state. I was the deputy CIO for three years prior to uh, me being named CIO last October, so it's just past my first year. Um, but I did serve on the programs committee, so part of the planning for the conference, um, and Todd Gimbriel from Texas uh, chaired that committee. Um, and the NASIO staff just does a fabulous job of um, really kind of laying out the options and asking us to make a decision on things like the keynote speakers, uh, general themes for the conference. Obviously, with this being the 50th anniversary, um, that committee had already done a lot of planning for the things, the events and activities that they wanted to have happen during this year's conference. Um, So I'll have to be honest and say, as being the host, um, my duties are really not very large because the (laughs) the NASIO staff really takes care of everything. So other than answering a few questions and um, trying to um, get our governor to come and welcome everybody, which we were able to do with the video instead because he's out of the state, my responsibilities were not very great. So I cannot take very much credit for that. Oh, you're too modest, Stephanie. (laughs) Too modest. Having hosted a couple of these myself, one in Boston and a couple in uh, California, uh, I know there's a challenge to a lot of that, even if you may not be there for the original planning for it. Well, what has been your highlight for the conference so far? Oh, gosh. Um, there's a lot, I think. You know, we, we always enjoy the um, state member day uh, that was Sunday. It's obviously just the state members. And so that's a more intimate forum for us to um, touch on a number of issues and just do a lot of sharing and discussing. So that's always a good session to learn from others uh, and to share as well. Um, I would say um, other highlights um, – Gosh, I think being in the host state, we were able to bring a few more people than normal. And so I actually kind of extended the invitation to um, some of our partners as well as one of my bosses. So I'd have to say it's kind of been a a good highlight to have him here and see the benefits of NASIO for Mm -hmm. for me, for our organization, and for our state as well. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I um, that uh, session, open mic session or whatever Mm -hmm. they call that, 
on Sunday for the uh, state folks is really a, an inter- interesting gathering. I'd like to be a fly on the wall. But uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, of course, we enjoy our vendor partners and recognize how key they are to the success of, of NACIO and the annual conference. So I don't mean to say that, uh, that I enjoyed the state day because we exclude them. It's just that it's uh, it's a good way to start into the conference sure. with a smaller group and, and have the chance to have that time with, with my fellow CIOs. And, of course, just about the same time we have the Corporate Leadership Council meeting where all right. the vendor uh, uh, members of NACIO and their other colleagues can, can attend. And, right. And it's a good kickoff for the for the vendor community. Right. Well, we just had an interesting session, as is traditional each mm-hmm. uh, fall annual conference now, to go over the survey of CIOs. Very interesting uh, mm-hmm. perspective. I was expecting a little bit something else. The, the traditional survey has the top ten categories mm-hmm. and all that. This was a little bit different. What, what were your impressions? You know, I think it's interesting um, that CR customer relationship management is uh, rising up in priority for our all of our states and just hearing um, what some states are doing around that. Um, we have similar model in that in that we do have folks who um, focus on the agencies, but we have some ways to go in terms of continuously trying to improve um, how we measure customer service. Mm-hmm. I would also say um, for us, we are not yet in Tennessee from a central state perspective. We are not partnering um, with the local governments uh, as much as we need to be. And I would say if not if, but when we do, security would certainly be uh, at the top of the list, just like it was in the survey. Um, So that's an area for us that that we need to focus on, I think, in the coming year of how can we um, extend some of the tools and expertise that we have at the central state level to our local governments. Yeah, it is interesting, this whole issue of uh, seeing uh, the local governments as your customers. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense given the the cost of infrastructure. And if you can share it... uh, it might be beneficial, but I think uh, the one thing that's really moving this along, incentivizing it, if you will, is the security issues. I mean, we heard again from Todd about Texas and the ransomware issues and local governments and school districts and such that don't have the kind of cybersecurity budgets. They can really use some help from the states, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a – and, you know, from a – um, emergency preparedness, you know, depending on what the risk is or the actual event, um, you know, if it happens in the in a far county up in East Tennessee, it very well could impact every citizen. So we can't just look at it from a state standpoint. Mm-hmm. Well, we've also, you know, we're not. It's not all business at NASIO. We've had some excellent uh, off-site, or actually in the hotel, but off-site events. Tell us a little bit about that and how those were arranged, and what you're hearing in terms of feedback from some of the guests. Yes. Um, well, so last night was our premier um, sponsor reception at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Um, I think that's always a, a great venue, and um, the the museum was open for mm-hmm. um, attendees to tour and see the history of of country music. Um, which is such a part of Nashville and Music City and who we are. Um, so I think that was a great venue, in the, and it's spacious where, where the reception was, so um, you can maneuver around and, and visit um, without uh, being in cramped quarters. Right. 
the hotel, I think the hotel, um, the, the venue here for the, for the conference at the JW Marriott has been very good and the feedback, um, seems to be positive, um, in terms of the facilities and the rooms. Um, so I think, and just this area of downtown is so vibrant, plenty of restaurants around that are, you know, within walking distance. So, you know, I think when, when you live somewhere, you tend to take some of these, uh, benefits, uh, you take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's good to be downtown as a, uh, almost as a tourist to remind, myself of the the benefits of downtown nashville well certainly being in washington dc i can appreciate that um it was a it's certainly an indication of the popularity when you get the number of uh participants there Mm -hmm. i think it's 850 or so registered for for the event and some 195 or 100 and almost 200 companies are represented right uh doug robinson as i said was in here earlier and given some of the statistics and metrics and it's incredible how this organization has grown over the 20 years or so that I've been affiliated with it. Right. It, it is phenomenal. And um, just the number of vendor partners, there's just so many more companies. And um, But but I think, as as we talked about in, in our state business meeting, just the brand of NASIO um, is strong and vibrant. And it's nice that the vendor partners feel that way as well and, and choose to provide support to, to NASIO and to our states. Yeah. And... Um, NASIO has certainly taken on a much broader and more public role than it did when I was CIO. Uh, in fact, I remember I was CIO in California in the late 90s, and I was asked as president of NASIO to testify before Congress, which was kind of cool. Uh, but that was one of the first times that the NASIO representatives were invited to that kind of a table. And now it seems like every other month Doug Robinson or the president of NASIO is uh, testifying or not representing the organization at, uh, like the NGA and other large uh, conferences across the country. It's really a, uh, a, a testament, I think, to the, the role of the CIO and the, and the power and the, the authority and the uh, responsibilities they have now. It's, it's, a lot, it's a lot changed, right? It is, and technology is so much more prevalent in our society and, and for our, you know, our state agencies. It, uh, almost everything we do in terms of services involves some part of technology. So, um, I mean, I think it's, there's multiple reasons, certainly the, like we were saying, the brand of NASIO and, but, but then also just that technology is the, the pace and the amount of technology that we use is not slowing down as we heard from the keynote this morning. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, we have about, uh, 30 seconds left. So just give me your top two, pri- your priorities mm-hmm. for the state of Tennessee, Stephanie. Sure. Um, so one is cloud. Um, we, we've not been a cloud first state. Uh, I think last year someone said cloud smart and I like to say we're, we're trying to be cloud smart. So we're working on a roadmap and a transition to how we move to the cloud. Uh, the second priority I would mention is just, um, an enterprise data analytics and really working with our agencies to help them understand, uh, the benefits of data sharing and the capability of the analytics tools that will really help us solve problems in a unique and different way. Well, very interesting priorities Mm -hmm. and certainly ones that are on a lot of people's radar screen. We're going to take a short break right now. Our guest has been Stephanie Dedman. Thanks for taking the time to be with us, Stephanie. We're, uh, We're very happy and pleased you were here. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. We're broadcasting today at the NACIO Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, on, Nash- on the occasion of NACIO's 50th anniversary. We'll be right back with our next guest in just a moment. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. 
Thankfully, only about 1% as much methane is emitted by man as carbon dioxide. But Robert Kleinberg of Columbia and Boston Universities says at least in the short term, methane has an outsized role in warming our planet. If you want to do something rapid about climate change, change the temperature trajectory fairly rapidly, methane is the best way to do it. Methane comes from natural sources like swamps, but Kleinberg says about two-thirds is man-made, and a big percentage of that comes from leaks in oil and gas infrastructure. Since methane is odorless and colorless, leaks can be hard to detect, even huge ones. So people have put methane sensors on airborne platforms, aircraft, drones, even satellites. Kleinberg says the sensors can spot optical properties of methane to see plumes even from space so that the biggest leaks can be more quickly found and patched. With the National Academy of Engineering, Randy Atkins, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Hi, this is Senior Correspondent Mike Causey. In Washington, we follow the money, especially since it's yours every week on your turn with Mike Causey. Whether it's your pay raise, a major change to your retirement package, or the chances of rifts or buyouts, we're on it because we know how hard you work and what it means to you. Give us a listen Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, or subscribe to your turn on iTunes or Podcast One. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and we're broadcasting today at the National Association of State Chief Information Officers Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, on the occasion of NASIO's 50th anniversary. My guest today is Dave Pounder, Director of Strategic Engagement at MITRE Corporation and former executive with the U.S. General Governmental Accounting Office. Welcome to Ask the CIO Sled Edition, Dave. It's good to have you on the show. Great to be here, John. Thanks. Uh, we've known each other for a number of years since my uh, membership in that uh, acronym I can never quite remember, but an, an advisory board at the Government Accountability Office, uh, Executive Committee ECMIN or something like that. I think I met you back in the late 90s, and uh, we've, of course, kept in touch ever since. And Dave left GAO a few years ago and is now with uh, MITRE. Tell us a little bit about your background before at, at GAO and, and at my, now at MITRE. Well, I did a couple stints at GAO, John, and most recently I spent about 15 years overseeing a lot of uh, the federal spend on technology, and that ranged from you know, large IT acquisitions to FATAR scorecards and, you know, implementing the most recent legislation. So it was, uh, it was a really good run at GAO. I mean, there were a lot of good reports written, and I want to thank you for your involvement with GAO, with the executive committee. Uh, we always had an extensive planning process on our audits for Congress uh, that we used in, in delivering uh, those audits uh, for both the House and the Senate. And the executive committee where we had, you know, ex-federal uh, officials, some private sector folks, some folks from the states, and they kind of advised us on what we should be doing for Congress. And we took that into consideration when we did our audits, and we thought that was ended up being a very uh, productive process. So thank you for being involved in that. Over no, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed it. And <clears throat> unfortunately, we haven't met in a couple of years now. There seems to be a budget issue, as there normally is every time uh, every year it comes up. 
Now you're with MITRE. What are you doing there? So at MITRE, I'm director of strategic engagement, so a, a, a number of things. We work on, you know, partnerships with different uh, organizations, both, you know, within industry, uh, within the uh, federal government, still doing a little bit government relations works uh, with all the years that I spent, you know, up on Capitol Hill and everything. And then also, too, working with various CIO organizations in my MITRE role, uh, making sure that they have the appropriate processes and governance and strategic plans plans and all those good things that you kind of expect from uh, the CIOs. And you told me you've engaged with the uh, NASIO folks. Tell us about your role there. Yeah, so one of the interesting things when I was at GAO, and I always thought it was very important to kind of share success stories between what was going on in the federal government and the states. So one good example was like, you know, data center consolidation. When we were working on that in the federal government, there were a lot of states that were ahead of the federal government. Some of that was due to some budget issues, and they had no choice but to, you know, consolidate data centers and the like. But there were a lot of good lessons learned. Uh, so right now, we at MITRE, we're doing some work on the uh, taxonomy business model, which is the way to look at your uh, cost, capturing your IT costs. And uh, so we've, we're working with federal agencies in terms of how they're implementing the TBM model. And there's some challenges, and we have recommendations a whole bit. And the states are doing the same thing. They're mm -hmm. looking at applying this model to capture more costs, especially with their cost recovery uh, efforts and that type of thing. So we've actually uh, participated in a webinar, uh, MITRE experts on that, sharing with all 50 state CIOs kind of the lessons learned and strategies in implementing the taxonomy business model. It's a big deal in the federal government. It's part of the president's management agenda. And really, it's important to know what you're spending, where it's at, so that you can effectively manage it, it to sure make it really is. simple. Uh, and so that's what the government struggles with. And the states have some similar problems. So I think the sharing of, you know, what we're learning between the feds and the states is very important. And if MITRE can play a role in doing that, you know, we're going to continue to work through NASIO and help there. You know, we saw the uh, Grant Thornton NASIO uh, survey that comes out every, every annual conference in the fall. And they talked about that one point in particular about IT cost recovery and all that. And it's, it said, I, I find it very interesting because I'm like you. You can't even get started unless you know what you're spending now. Right. How are you going to change things and reform it if you don't know what your your budgets are and your spending are? And, but many states, I'd say probably I'd say probably 10 or 15 states don't know what their IT budget is. I know California is a good example. They spend 2 or $3 billion a year. And I asked when I was CIO in 95, I said, how do you know? And they said, well, we do a survey once a year. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, that's a common problem across yeah. the board. They're just not – they don't have the big – they're scared to death of these big enterprise resource planning systems that go in that, uh, you know, California's got one going that's over a billion dollars now and five – 12 years behind schedule. Yeah. So uh, they're a real challenge, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to do anything and reform things when you don't have that baseline. Yeah, well, that, that's why this whole effort with the taxonomy business model is very important because, as you mentioned, there's whether you want to call it shadow IT or, you know, technology that's being pursued in different departments and not being aware of all that. If you can actually just have a mechanism where you can capture more of those costs, especially when you have multiple departments or, you know, in the federal departments, you have a lot of federated agencies, and, you know, they, sometimes they do their own thing, and, you, do, you know, you're not aware, aware that you have multiple business systems, uh, you know, across a department or agency. So that's where this process uh, with TBM can help, yeah. help to kind of disclose that shadow IT and other things so that, again, that we can more effectively manage mm -hmm. that. 
You know, when I went from Massachusetts CIO to California CIO, people would ask me what was the difference. And I always like to say, and I probably said it a couple times during this conference, I always tell everything there's the same challenges, same problems, except California had three or four more zeros at the end of everything. <laughs> right. Now, you've had your – most of your background was in the federal government, so you can add a few more zeros to that. Tell us some of the comparisons between the issues and challenges between the federal government and what the states have. Well, you know, it was interesting listening to the survey today because you had things about duplicative systems and trying to, you know, save money by consolidating systems and that type of thing. So very similar issues there. You look at the data center situation where we've consolidated data uh, centers or made them more efficient. That's, you know, very important. The one thing that stood out to me today that I thought was different in the, the survey today with the states was the customer relationship focus. And I think the federal government could probably, they talk about that, but I think they could really do a lot more looking at, you know, customer relationships and whether they're strategically aligned with the businesses, the federal departments and agencies. So, again, I think there's some good lessons learned when you look at what happens through organizations like NASIO or the Federal CIO Council. You know, and I do know, you know, Doug Robinson, he spent some time with Suzette Kent, and they share you know, some issues, some stories back and forth and kind of where there are challenges and strategic approaches and those types of things. I think it's very important going forward to kind of strengthen the role of the not only the state CIOs but also the federal CIOs. Yeah, there was a – that survey, the results of that survey were far different from what I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to be the, the traditional, what are the top 10 priorities, what are the top 10 issues, what are the top 10 technologies. This was a little bit different, and it certainly did have that customer relationship management aspect yep. to it, which was complemented by, particularly by uh, our, our earlier guest, uh, Ed Toner, from CIO from Nebraska. I mean, he told me that they add a new customer every week from local government. Every week. Yeah. And it's kind of a, it's reached a critical mass because – it's not just, uh, well, you can run your, your application data center. You could always do that. The biggest issue is, is security because right. these local governments, school districts, said, just don't have the budget to go after these kind of problems that the state can, can offer them. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I thought there were a lot of good lessons learned from what Ed said with the state of Nebraska. I mean, he had specific numbers on what different departments throughout the state of Nebraska, how they viewed their customer experience working with him. So that's a first step. I think there's probably a lot of CIOs that you say, well, how, what, what do your customers think of you? You need to know what they think of you. But mm-hmm. his follow-up where he said anything you know, from a four, four out of five, four below, he had extensive follow-up to make sure that they were aware of the issues and getting better. And, again, I think that type of focus would help you know, with the federal CIOs and their perspective on yeah. customer relationships. You know, Ed is, uh, Ed's boss, the governor, is a former CEO at Ameritrade. And that's where Ed worked before he went to work at the state. So he brings that – he certainly brings that private sector perspective. You could you could hear that throughout. It was, it was funny hearing him up against the poor fellow from Vermont that's got, you know, up to his ears in a collective bargaining issues probably. And it'll be a long time before he gets that kind of leeway to have the same thing. But I think there's a Republican governor in, uh, in, in Vermont these days, but we'll see. Um, What's your other perspective? You've been at the conference several – over mm-hmm. the last few years, and uh, it's changed. It's a group – like I had said, when I was CIO, you could fit uh, all the people in this little uh, breakout room, and now they've got 850 attendees, I think over 50, 48 states maybe, 52 states with states and territories, 100 and 
85 companies. This has become a big deal, hasn't it? Yeah, I, w- I was really amazed, you know, close to 900 attendees here and the different topics and everything and the amount of expertise, you know, when you look at a lot of the breakout sessions and everything, you know, from AI to, uh, you know, there were even some folks from uh, 18F and the federal government government talking about state and local issues. Just a great variation of topics. So whatever you really kind of want here at NASA or you need information on, you know, you're likely to find it here. And I think Doug and team, is they really do a great job with this conference. They have done a great job. And it's, uh, you know, watching them uh, organize these events over the years, it's become, it's funny. I remember when I was first... Uh, asked to be part of NASIO or NASIR as it was called right. then. They asked me to do the conference the first year I was involved, and now uh, they're planning 2024. I mean, it's that big a deal. So, uh, listen, we're going to have to conclude on that. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. This is a uh, – it's, it's really interesting to get a perspective like you have, Dave, and I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Well, thank you, John. It's good catching up. And thank you for listening. Content from the state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.